Welcome to our Hakel podcast, episode 33 in the series Classic Take, where we will discuss a classic topic in the matters of Mashiach. The year is dedicated to Nishmas Yeshua Yisrael Mechol ben Zev Aryeh. The question is, will Mashiach provide us with free housing? Yet it's one of the uh, most important needs of human beings is to have a house to live in. Mashiach provide us with free housing. So first of all, let's discuss a little bit where we will live when Mashiach will come, how we will get there. So we know that when Mashiach will come, one of the fundamental promises, predictions, basic foundations of the future redemption is that we will all be gathered in Teres Yisrael. Now we know that when the Jewish people first came into the land of Israel, Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to divide the land amongst the tribes, the the Yidin conquered after they finished conquering Eretz Yisrael. They divided the land amongst the tribes. It was a whole structure how this was done. There was uh, They divided the land according to the value of the land and according to the amount of people in each Shevet. And there was a whole exact uh, procedure to how, how they divided the land in actuality. There was a raffle and it was done through a HaKadosh. There was They knew ahead of time through divine inspiration which tribe will get which part of Eretz Yisrael. It's a whole miraculous procedure which the Gemara discusses and uh, Rashi also brings it down in Chumash where it discusses in Pashas Pinchas the division of Eretz Yisrael and uh, the Yidin had Eretz Yisrael when, from that point on. Then the Jewish people were exiled. The ten tribes were exiled more than a hundred years before the remaining Jewish people were exiled from Eretz Yisrael. And once they were exiled, they, in a certain sense, they lost possession of the land. And the Jewish people returned during the time of the Second Temple era. And when they returned to Eretz Yisrael during the Second Temple era, there was no new division. In other words, whoever came to Eretz Yisrael and settled in the land acquired the land that he was on. And uh, there was no prophetic division, the, 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 the prophet, there was no prophet that said that this tribe should get this territory, that tribe should get that territory, and the reason is very simple, because most Jews did not return to Eretz Yisrael, the ten tribes didn't return, and even those Jews from the other tribes, from the other two tribes, only a minority, not, 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 not all of them returned, only a certain amount of them returned, it was an incomplete return to Eretz Yisrael, so there was no proper new division. Now, when Mashiach comes, we have a prophecy at the end of the book of Yechezkel, which speaks about how Hashem will divide, speaks about a new division, a Chalukah Chadosh, how Eretz Yisrael will be divided amongst the tribes, and it gives certain specific details. It mentions it will be divided into 13 segments, and exactly, more or less, the way the segments will work will be very different than the original division of Eretz Yisrael, where the territories weren't necessarily equal territories, and... They, they were based on a certain estimation, a certain part of Eretz Yisrael, but in, in the way it's described in the Cheskels will be 13 strips of land, and uh, they, will be, they will be divided in equal strips. And it goes on also to describe Pat uh, and and so on and so forth, certain very different details than the way it was originally divided. And this is a matter that discuss, the Gemara discusses it in Bava Basra. It actually discusses the, uh, that there will be an extra portion, there will be a 13th portion, which will be given to Mashiach, or to the tribe of Levi. The various discussions, halachic discussions, and other discussions 
that are discussed based on this new division. But that is not the focus of today's shir. I just want to focus on the fact that when Mashiach will come, there will be a completely new division. In other words, the original way how Eretz Yisrael was divided to the, to the tribes before Mashiach comes will be, so to say, abolished, and there will be a new division that will be made once the Eden come into Eretz Yisrael. Now, our sages actually explain that this new division will be much greater than the way it was originally divided. It says that in the future, each single person will have Bahar, Bishvelo, Baimek, the Gmodim of Abbasra, Dafkov Aleph, Kofchav Beis, where it discusses the division of Eretz Yisrael, explains that every Jew will have a portion both in the mountain and in the valley. There's certain things that are better to, to that the mountain is better for, certain things the valley is better for, but each person will have a full-fledged, the complete inheritance of all different types of la- of all different types of earth and territory that will make his nachl, his inheritance complete. Now there is a interesting discussion that is really not this, uh, spoken about too much, but you know when Mashiach comes and we have a redivision of Eretz Yisrael, so the Rogat Shavar explains that the previous division will be abolished. So it really creates a lot of discussion, which is, you know, today, let's say, a lot of people own land in Eretz Yisrael. So Mashiach comes, you know, I'm from, let's say, this person is from Shevet Menashe, and he has territory wherever it is, in Ches and Chevron and Svas and Yerushalayim. And Mashiach comes, the tribe of Menashe gets their portion somewhere else, and this land that he has right now is now designated to go to Shevet Yehuda, to another tribe. So technically it would appear that he loses his um, bylaws, his ownership of that land. His ownership of the land is not uh, an, an essential ownership. It's, you know, the land of Eretz Yisrael essentially belongs to the Jewish people because Hashem divided it to them when the previous division is abolished and the new division will be set up. So theoretically he will lose his territory that he has and he would get a territory somewhere else. Now, obviously, in the law, you know, he's not really losing out. No Jew is going to lose out when Mashiach comes. We're just discussing from a very legal, halachic perspective that we, we, we sometimes don't uh, think about it in these terms. When Mashiach comes, a lot of things will change. The whole ownership of Eretz Yisrael, the way it's now, will fundamentally change. Now, the truth is, even before we discuss the Chalukah Chadosh, the new division of Eretz Yisrael, if we think about it, if I own a piece of land, wherever it is in Eretz Yisrael, essentially, there's a bigger, I mean, there's a more relevant question that applies even in today's day and age, which is, what is my real rights of ownership to that land? I mean, essentially, this piece of land belonged to some Jews years and years ago. That was their inheritance that Hashem granted them. They were, the land of Israel was conquered by the nations of the world. And the Jewish people were exiled, but halachically that land still belongs to the original Jewish owners. So what right do I have to use that piece of land that I bought money for, if essentially it doesn't belong to me, it belongs to Jewish owners from many years ago? And this involves a lot of, there is a little bit of discussion about this that's discussed in a number of Poskim contemporary um, Shalas Atshuvas discussed this particular question. There's different, there's obviously there's no clear-cut answer on it. There's different views, there's different viewpoints. And generally, it's accepted that since the original owner, we don't know who the original owner was, so the, the, the name, 
the uh, connection that it had with the original owner is lost, and therefore we have uh, this also concept of Yish, maybe that people have given up hope of ever regaining back that land, and therefore the uh, whatever way how we possess it now, we bought it from, we got it from wherever it was, from the Arabs or whoever. I mean, throughout the generations, it traded hand many times, but legally, halachically, it would belong to the Jewish person that owns it now even though technically it should really belong to the Yershim, to those that inherit the land going back from generation to generation, all the way back to the original Jewish owners of this land. But since we don't know who those owners are, even though today they might have children that legally would inherit that land, but since they have, we don't know who they are, they don't have an idea themselves that this land belongs to them. So therefore, legally, there is a, halachically, there's a concept that the land would belong to the one that owns it today. However, definitely when Mashiach comes and there's a new redivision of Eretz Yisrael, so the question really, I mean, it becomes very strong and potent, uh, the, the fact that Eretz Yisrael doesn't just belong to you because you paid for it. It has to be that this is the land that Eibishter decided belongs to you. And when there'll be a new division of Eretz Yisrael, things will change. People will live in their designated, designated territory for their shevet. Again, no one is losing out anything. On the contrary, the future division will give a Jew much more than he has today. But it's just interesting to focus on it from a very legal viewpoint. How you know we, we sometimes don't realize how things could change dramatically fundamentally when Mashiach will come. The truth is that even when the Jewish people returned in the time of the second Beis Hamikdash, it's also unclear. Let's say a Jew had land in Eretz Yisrael and he was exiled during the first Beis Hamikdash, and he returned seventy years later when they returned after Golos Bavel after the exile in Babylon, and they got. They went back to their to, to, to Eretz Yisrael. The, the land still inherently belonged to the Jewish person that owned it before. Or when people came and they just settled in any land that they found, they didn't necessarily give it back to the original owners that were there. This is also a matter of some discussion. It seems to be a little bit of a machloikis, a disagreement about this as well. But either way, it's just an interesting concept, which I haven't really seen too many people speak about, how exactly things will work when Mashiach will come. I mean, let, let us just be a little nitty-gritty over here. You know, if I uh, buy a piece of a house from someone in Israel, and then uh, Mashiach comes right now, I didn't yet pay him up for the house, and there's a new Chalukah, there's a new division of Eretz Yisrael. Am I going to still have to pay him up for, for, the, for the house that I bought? Which, first of all, I, might, I probably might be transferred to another territory. The, uh, the original owner of the house will get another territory somewhere else completely different. It's not that original house that he sold me is not part of any of our territories now. It's interesting questions. Obviously, when Mashiach will come, they'll take care of it. There's nothing to be worried about. But I'm just there's a certain technical legality that obviously um, is, it would, would uh, halachically take place at that point. So this is regarding the... Uh, where we're going to live, Hashem will give us a territory, Eretz Yisrael, we won't have to pay rent or a mortgage to anyone for that territory that we have. We will get it, each Jew will get his territory from Debeshin himself. How will each Jew have a territory in Eretz Yisrael? We don't have to worry about it. There's a number of Madrashim that explain that the land of Israel will expand and so on and so forth. But uh, that's what it says, that there will be a, every Jew will have, the Rebbe brought it down a few times, Chassidus discusses this, that every Jew will have a, a 
full-fledged, complete territory, complete with all different types of of land, har, shvela, imak, a mountain, a valley, and a lowland, and uh, there won't be anything that I need you will lose out. In addition to that, besides that uh, aspect, it's also discussed how the Abishter, for example, let's say Yerushalayim, it's discussed how Hashem himself will build up Yerushalayim. And also the houses that we will have, it's discussed how, you know, obviously Hashem will give us a lot of riches, we'll have beautiful houses when Mashiach will come. The purpose of having a beautiful house is not just to enjoy life. When Mashiach will come, that won't be the first thing in our mind. But when we have physically, we have a harchava, we have bounty, we have, you know, the, uh, the the body is able to feel at peace and at ease, so that helps a person learn Torah. So usually today, we're living in a world where physical endeavors contradict, conflict, take away, distract from spiritual pursuits. So having a beautiful house might have, might lead a person to, you know, just sit and, and, and enjoy his surroundings and not focus on Avedas Hashem or Mashiach will come. That won't be the case. Having a nice house will only enhance, will, it will have, give us harchav, will give us a peace of mind, a, make the body feel at ease, that we should be able to dedicate our lives completely to serve Hashem. In addition to all the above, we also know there's a famous concept that's discussed in a number of Sfarim, that when Mashiach will come, our houses that we have now outside of Eretz Yisrael will be transferred to Eretz Yisrael. So for, for those Jews that are living outside of Israel, this, this says that the houses that we have will be transferred to Eretz Yisrael. And this is based on a Gemara. The Gemara says in Megillah Daf Chavtes that when Mashiach will come, all shuls, all Bate Knesis, Bate Medrashis, places where we daven and we learn Torah will be relocated to Eretz Yisrael. And uh, the, the term of the Gemara really says that it's the shuls and the Bati Medrashis, the houses of study that are in Bavel. Bavel, that was the center of Jewish life at that point. But uh, other places, another, there's other versions that say Chutznot, it's outside of Israel, that it applies to any shul outside of Eretz Yisrael. And uh, the, brings, the Gemara brings interesting Kavachem. The Gemara says that the mountains, Mount Carmel and Mount Tover, so these mountains were established in Eretz Yisrael. Originally, they weren't part of Eretz Yisrael. Originally, they were somewhere else. But they uh, came from Atan Torah. They wanted to, to come, that the Torah should be given on them. So uh, they, because they, whatever this means is, discuss, is, is obviously, lends itself to various interpretations. But it says that these mountains left their place to come to present themselves by, by Matan Torah, that hoping that the Abish would give Torah for the, on them. Obviously, the Abish gave Torah at the end on Har Sinai and not on these mountains, but since they came to hear Torah, it says they were established in Eretz Yisrael. So it says so shuls and places of study where they where they learn Torah and they and they spread Torah so much more, so they will be deserve they deserve to be relocated to Eretz Yisrael. This is something which the Rebbe mentioned a number of times, and it's, it's, many Paschim actually discuss this, and many, there are various ways of understanding this. The Mogan Avram understands that when it says that they'll be relocated, he understands it very simply, the whole building, plus the, under, the, the land that's underneath it will be relocated to Eretz Yisrael. Other people say it's only the building will be relocated, or only the land will be relocated. Some people explain this completely different 
in a completely different manner, and they say that it means that the holiness of these shuls and these bati madrashas will go to Eretz Yisrael. It doesn't mean that the physical earth and the physical stones of the building go to Eretz Yisrael, but obviously, as in everything in Torah, there's many different schools of thought, but either way, a lot of a lot of uh, Paskim, uh, the Magen Avram, and many other sources clearly hold that the, the actual building will go back to Eretz Yisrael. Obviously, it will be in a miraculous way. And uh, this is this is connected also with the capital that we say, the Rebbe's capital this year. It says, That the Pasuk says that I am happy when they say to me that I'm going to go to the house of Hashem. We say, That our feet stood at the gates of Yerushalayim. The Mashan, the Skimara Megillah explains that what does this mean? It says that when we go to Shul, so we are happy when I go to Shul because I know that this Shul will be relocated later to Eretz Yisrael and will become, will become part of Yerushalayim. And he explains that when I'm standing in the Shul, it's as if I'm standing in the Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. That's why I'm happy when I go to Shul. And then the Pasuk continues, Yerushalayim habnuyo kir shechubro lo yachtav, that Yerushalayim that will be built for Mashiach Hukam will be like a city that is attached together and explains this to mean that he brings a medrash of Mashiach Hukam, the Beis HaMikdash will be as great as Yerushalayim because the, all the shuls that we have in, in the whole world will be attached to the Beis HaMikdash. So therefore Yerushalayim will be very big because it will have all the shuls of, uh, in other words, sorry, the Beis HaMikdash will be as big as Yerushalayim because all the shuls will become attached to the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, um, the Yerushalayim, the Beis HaMikdash will end up being as big as Yerushalayim. And um, explained in many places that when we are in the base in the, in the shul today, we are in a place that has the holiness of Eretz Yisrael, because eventually when Mashiach will come, these places will be relocated to Eretz Yisrael. Now, although this statement in the Gemara says about shuls, but there's a famous verse of Rabbi Levi Tzachar and the Chassam Sefer says a similar concept, that when Mashiach comes, not only the Bate Knesis, Bate Medrashis, the shuls and the yeshivas, the places where we learn title, be relocated to Eretz Yisrael, but also every Jewish house where a person davens and learns and does mitzvahs will also be relocated to Eretz Yisrael. And uh, in a certain sense, the Rablevi of Bardishev explains this with the Kalva Choymer. He says that in the shul, we daven, we say Shema. In a Jewish person's house, there's many mitzvahs that we do. You know, we have mezuzah, we have, uh, we, have, we have the mitzvah of learning Torah, of benching after eating, and so on and so forth. There's many more mitzvahs that you could, in a certain sense, that we do in a, in a, in, in a, uh, in a house more than a shul. Davening is an important mitzvah. But nevertheless, a lot of davening is only the rabbonon, is only rabbinically instituted. But in our house, there are many mitzvahs that we perform that are obligatory minatayda biblically. So he says if a shul be relocated to Eretz Yisrael, it's how much more so our houses where people daven and learn and do many mitzvahs. They give staka, they bench after they eat, they have a mezuzah. So all those places will definitely be relocated to Eretz Yisrael. The Rebbe also even once said that even the streets that people walked upon and they said, 
will be reestablished in Eretz Yisrael. So this is an interesting concept, again, exactly how it will work with all the legalities. <laughs> Obviously, uh, you know, it's an interesting question. Will we, you know, if somebody lives in somebody else's house, what's going to happen? Will uh, his apartment fly away to Eretz Yisrael in one place? Whatever. Obviously, when Mashiach comes, we'll understand exactly what and how all this means. But this is definitely a concept that we will not lose our ownership, whatever we have in Chuslat, it's outside of Eretz Yisrael, we will not lose, will become transferred to Eretz Yisrael. One final point I wanted to mention is that discussing the concept of free housing it obviously brings to mind the idea of paying up a mortgage. So the Rebbe once spoke interesting Sikh in Shabbos Parshas Bolok, Tavshim Amalef. The Rebbe explained how a Jew has a responsibility not only to provide for his family, but he has a responsibility to hold up the whole world, that his avoida, through his divine service, all the worlds are sustained. So a person might ask, how do I have the ability to do that? I, I'm just barely sustaining my wife and kids. How do I have the ability to sustain, to hold, to, to, to provide for all the worlds? So... Uh, the Rebbe says he's true, he has to provide for his family, but he also has the obligation to take care of all the worlds. So, Percy, so the Rebbe says the Jew could argue and he say, Halvai, if only I could pay up the mortgage of my own house, how could I deal with all the worlds? So, the Rebbe said that the same way he has the mortgage on his own house, he says Hashem also has a mortgage he has to pay up. What's Debish's house? Debish created this world because he wanted to have a Dira Betachtonim, a dwelling place for him in this lowest world. And what's the mortgage that Abishan needs to pay up? And Abishan needs a Jew to pay up the mortgage. So the Rebbe says that's the divine service of a Jew. Hashem says Hashem has everything. Hashem, so to say, is in control of everything besides Yiroshimayim, besides the fear of heaven. A person has free choice to decide what he wants to do. So the Rebbe said that Hashem, so to say, needs us. You know, it's not up to him, so to say. You know, it's up to us. We're the ones that have the free choice to serve the Eibeshir. Everything is in Hashem's hand besides our own fear of heaven. So Hashem needs us to pay up the mortgage. So uh, when a Jew gives the Eibeshir, Yiroshimayim, he serves the Eibeshir. The Eibeshir, so to say, is quote-unquote paying up the mortgage for the house, for making this world creating this world to be a dira betachtoinim. So a person could further argue, says, okay, first let me pay up my own mortgage of my own house, and then, and uh, Halvaya should be able to do it completely, and then I'll worry about paying up the Abish's mortgage. So the Rebbe said that your own mortgage you could pay up at the end of the month, at the end of the year, you might be able to refinance to get it get lower prices. It says, but the Abish's mortgage is something you can't push off from one day to the next. It's kol every the whole existence of all the worlds depends on the daily divine service of Yid. That's not something that could be pushed off for later. But either way, obviously when Mashiach comes, Hashem will have paid up his mortgage. The avoid uh, will be complete. We'll have a dira betachtoinim. And Abish's house, we will have our houses, free housing, however it's going to work, but Hashem will also have his house, we'll have a dira betachtoinim. And more importantly, it says that the whole Golis, the whole exile, is one big mortgage. It says, for example, when they went into Mitzrayim, why did they go to Mitzrayim? Because in order to get there, it's Yisrael. It says, they told Avram Avinu that they, they're going to be in exile for 400 years, and then they're going to get there, it's Yisrael. So it says that Esav, 
didn't want to go to Galus, didn't want to go to exile, so he decided to let Yaakov keep Eretz Yisrael. He's not interested in the whole deal. So the whole Galus is a mortgage that we're paying up a mortgage to be able to get to Gula. So Mashiach will come, that mortgage will also be paid up. The Ebesha should help. We should merit the coming of Mashiach. Take a Fumiyat Mamash. Classic Take is produced by Tudal's Podcast Productions, producers of The Daily Boost, The Weekly Fabrengen, Power Fabrengen, and Mashiach Mindset Audio. Available on all podcast platforms.